Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Pennick. And we've got our annual Giants Biggest Area for Improvements episode. I'm very excited about this one. So we each do, we each pick one offense and one defense that we deep dive into a little bit. Mine are obvious, but I went back and watched film on my defensive one, which is like stopping the run versus uh, gap, gap, uh, gap run, run teams. And then on the offense, creating explosives. But I think what's more interesting than just pointing out that like obviously you need to get better in those two areas is how the Giants can get bit, uh, better in those areas. Justin, how are you? Mm, Bobby Skinner. Hi, how are you? I really like episodes like this because we come at it from two different perspectives. You spent the day watching film. I spent the day on various sites, Football Outsiders, uh, Pro Football Reference, Stat Head, Next Gen Stats, and things like that. So we spent our days in very different areas, but we're going to come together and talk about how our New York football giants can improve as a football team. So uh, I did not go to New Hampshire. It rained out. It rained in Charlotte. So I have this theory that um, I have, like, this is the karma that I'm, I'm like paying for it right now. You don't like that, by the way. I know you witchcraft Um, because I begged for it to rain in Dover for the NASCAR race. So I can go to it on Monday since we were recording our draft recap pod on Sunday. So I was, I hoped for people's misfortune in April. So now I'm paying for it and I didn't get to see the Charlotte race and I didn't get to see the NHRA race in New England. So I think I'm done though. I paid for, I paid for my sins. Yeah. Hopefully you did because we're announcing our tailgate game or the game I'm going to come up to New Jersey. So big major announcement on this podcast. Definitely Can we do it now? big announce, Can big we do announcement it now? right now. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. November 26th, the return of Joe judge. We're going to be doing laps in the parking lot. No, we won't. We won't do that. Might do like a fake video of like two seconds. I might just do it just to, sh- just to be like, suck it. Yep. Um, but November 26th, it is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I tried to get it a more reasonable date. There just isn't. Like Monday night, and Monday night football does not work for us, um, to do that. Um, it was, there was no reasonable game in November or December that made sense. Other games, it's like you have plans. Um, so November 26th, hosting Joe Judge and the New England Patriots. And I think we're going to win. I'm undefeated at Giants games I attended is going to be our free tailgate this year. Yeah, we'll be doing a bunch of other tailgates too. Um, you know, throughout throughout the year, except that one, that is the game that Bobby will be at. That is the home game that Bobby will be at. And on, so and we'll mark your free. calendars then, and there will be food, and it will be free. Um, so what's that game? Tell tell me the date again. November twenty sixth, uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving, hosting the New England Patriots. Joe Judge's return to the New York Giants, and you know me, I'm like nerdy about like. Since we've done the show, it's like little moments. It's like, hey, we spent two years covering this guy. It'd be kind of cool. Like, hey, I was, I was at the, ga- the the game that he returned for, and then Brian Dable became a Super Bowl head, uh, Super Bowl winning head coach for the Giants after that. Wow, look at that. We also have a uh, two other announcements. We do. I'll share it. Are you we talking are about doing... the, the the watch party games? Yes. Wait on those because I'm I'm not, let's, let's 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 turn oh, that into another announcement teaser because I didn't even know if we locked them in. did we lock them in I'm I'm gonna I can lock it in right now by saying it okay yeah say it okay I'm going to say it um I don't have the dates in front of me you do that's your job we will be having two watch along parties 
like we did at Mr. Purple, and then like we did for that other game that I don't want to talk about. But like we did for Mr. Purple, except we're going to run it back during the regular season. Our first watch-along game will be Sunday Night Football against the Bills. October 15th. October 15th. And then the second game will be against the Raiders. That's it. November 5th. November 5th. November 5th. I wasn't ready to lock this in. I thought we were going to talk about it more, but hey, we're locking it in. So we're locking it in. Locked in. Lock it up. Lock it up. Um, so yeah, we got some announcements. Come hang. Come come see us. Come hang out with us. Should be a good time. Um, obviously, the the Patriots game is just show up. The other one, you have to buy tickets. So you got a lot of time to before those come become available. All right, Justin, before we get into these areas for improving, this episode is brought to you by a couple special people. Ryan Flanagan, he will, he's wearing flannels even though it's still hot out. And then Jeremy Espinal. I think I announced his name twice, but it's so freaking nice. Justin, who are these people? So freaking nice. Like when you go to patreon.com slash Giants, you'll feel nice and you're a nice person if you do. Because for $2 a month plus some other tiers to get to hang out with us live while we record the shows, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. Plus there's some shirt raffles a couple times a month that you can do as well. Patreon.com slash Giants. I hate that we're delaying this, but I got to share the story because it's the off season. It's, sure. it's June, so we can do this. I had my first like nasty interaction with a Patreon member. Nasty? Like he got nasty. Did you take a little too long sending the stickers in the mail? Well, no. Here is the thing: is I thought I did. So he said the stickers didn't uh, didn't come. Whatever, sure. you know. And hey, sometimes they get lost in the mail. Maybe I forget. Usually, if they usually if they they get messed up in the mail, they they return it to me. So he's like, I, I I canceled my thing. He's like, so uh, or he's like, I didn't get them. And I was like, okay, I'll 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 send I'll send some more. And and this was during the draft, you know. So like I didn't send. I put out, hey, I'm not going to send any during the draft when I get back. Yeah. And then so two days after I get home from the draft, he said, uh, hey, uh, you know, I didn't join. I didn't join for stickers. But when you ignore your fans, that's what you get. And I was like, yeah. hey, man, sorry if there's miscommunication. I sent it for the second time I sent it, but I sent it a day ago. Sorry if there's mis- any, any, miscommunication, any miscommunication. He's like, well, I'm going to send them back. And I was like, no, man, you already you paid for two months. Sorry about that. All love. And then he's like, still going to didn't get these stickers, you virgins. Like, got all, got all wow. <laughs> hot and bothered. I was like, hey, man. I sent them twice. Sorry, uh, you know. So something on your end, you know, and and just if you're gonna call us something, (laughs) I think calling us virgins is a like the nicest but also most offensive thing you could do without being like totally. It's just it's just a weird thing to say to a a football podcast. I've never been called a virgin and then I, the I, I just basically said like i was like hey man i sent them twice this is uh this is something on your end but i'm so happy i have your 20 dollars. what did i do and i got he, lumped i got lumped into being a virgin and then he said something else and i just responded i love you you're the virgin um, yeah you virgin i am i'm saving myself yeah uh all right let's get into this episode giant series for improvement people do not care about that story but i just thought it was funny like this is the first time someone like like there's been people who have canceled, right? Because they, but it's like someone who you should have got to the just, virgin part more, more, more quickly there. Yeah, but I wanted to make sure. Like I sent, I sent them twice, you know, because some, you know, there is, there has been times where it's like you don't send them for a week, a little bit late, and I'll usually make a post if they're late, and then, but if I, if I, if you say, hey, I didn't get them, 
and I because I I I will not mess. There's a message I sent that says "Got you." I will not send that message "Got you" until they're in an envelope with a with a stamp. Like it's a rule. I will not respond to a message saying "Got you" until those stickers are in an uh, envelope with a, a. So if I do that twice, that's on your end. All right. Comment, comment, you virgins on YouTube. Yeah, let's get it. Let's uh, spam the chat. Giants episode. Um, areas improve improvement. So, what should we start with, offense or defense? Should we start with the offense? Get people sucked in, talking about offense explosive is plays. Sexy, yeah. All right. So we all know that the Giants were bad at uh, creating uh, explosive plays on offense, especially in the passing game uh, this year. They were actually, I think, a fairly explosive running game. Um, they were. Daniel Jones had the second lowest uh, twenty-plus yard attempt rate in the NFL. Uh, if you doubled his rate, if you just doubled his rate, you know that would put him at twenty-six with tied with Justin Herbert. If they if they doubled his rate, That's the distance low. between him at thirty-fifth and thirty and the guy at thirty-fourth is the difference between thirty-fourth and fifteenth. So it wasn't just second, you know, second lowest uh, with only Matt Ryan lower by. You know, a, a slim margin. Like, like, like I said, the difference between fifteenth and twenty second is only a slim margin. But it's actually like a really wide distance. And then, not even just deep throws. The average depth of target was last in the NFL at six point five. So dead last in that. So obviously, they didn't push the ball down the field. Now, there's numerous reasons for that. The wide receiver room, offensive line. How do they get better at this, right? And I don't think it's as simple as just adding weapons. And I want to break it down, Justin on verse zone and verse man and i I, and i just want to say you're welcome for me picking this because people if you said they got to get better explosive plays i think people would have rolled their eyes like yeah you've been saying this for three years just well yeah yeah and and that's why i'm glad that you're going at this from this angle for sure so verse zone one of the biggest reasons i think that they are not able to create explosive plays versus zone it's more so than any other player on this team, more so than the wide receiver core, more so than Daniel Jones, is the offensive line. Because what is it's it's a lot hard to create explosive plays versus zone coverage, right? Because defenses are trying to keep everything in front of you, especially when they're playing quarters and two high uh, zone coverages. And you know, cover three zone usually looks like man coverage for the most part, anyways. Um, and it's just because. To get explosive plays versus zone, you have to put defenders in conflict. And that takes a lot longer than one guy just beating his man versus man coverage, which we'll talk about. And I think Evan Neal and Tyree Phillips were the main reason for that. Evan Neal and Tyree Phillips were third and fourth worst in the NFL in pass blocking efficiency for guys who played only right tackle. Third and fourth worst. Not bad. The Not only good. two worse at right tackle were Cornelius Lucas for the Commanders and the Chargers backups backup. Their fourth offensive tackle after they lost um, uh, Slater and then uh, the other guy. He only he, this guy only played six games, but he was worse. I think we've had right tackle play that has set such a low bar over the last couple of years that when Tyree Phillips came in, it didn't seem that bad in comparison to you know no offense Evan Neal and then Nate Solder right like uh, Tyree Phillips didn't even seem that bad in comparison to those guys. Yeah, and pass and so this pass blocking efficiency number. 
is not pass blocking PFF grade because I will never use a PFF grade to make my it's, it's simply it is from the PFF website but it's measuring pressures hits and sacks allowed on a on a per snap basis yep. and then being a little more weighted for for sacks and Evan Neal's number 94.6 on all pass sets and then 90.3 on true pass sets I want to go through the last three right tackles to show you how bad that was Solder 96.1 and 93.3 higher Fleming, 96.1 and 93.4, higher. Mike Remmers, 95.9 and 93.2. I mean, out of the last four years, I think Mike Remmers has been the Giants' best right tackle that they've had, you know. So, Evan Neal, that's where it's like, where can we get better at this and, like, have some real hope in this? It's Evan Neal. Evan Neal has to has to grow for them to become a more explosive play uh, offense versus zone coverages. Not necessarily for verse man coverages. I think the addition of the receivers add on there. But they they work the quick game to resolve this. So that's why average depth of target is so low. Like they had to work the, work the quick game to do this issue. You know, if, if they were trying to work downfield concepts, it would have turned into more sacks. And guess what? They gave up a lot of sacks as well. Um, and if there is improvement of Evan Neal, and obviously the other offensive linemen outside of Andrew Thomas need improvement well, Deep concepts that put defenders in conflict. That is how you beat zone coverages for explosive plays. Is by putting defenders in conflict and having them either making wrong decisions or just, hey, a guy can't cover two guys in one area and a safety ends up uh, being put in the wrong spot. Uh, There was concepts that I know Brian Dable and Mike Kafka love. Like that these guys use a lot. and More so Brian Dable and Buffalo. That concepts they love, concepts we were expecting to see, that just were not in the playbook. They were thrown out of play playbook. Like concepts like Mills, which I think they scored like two or three touchdowns in that famous Bills Chiefs playoff game. In there, the Darius Slayton, you know, uh, touchdown drop versus the Commanders. That was that concept. Wave they tried to run towards the start of the year. They did. They basically, you know, took it out of the playbook and just became a team that ran more mesh and stuff like that. So they just totally threw concepts out there. Uh, so that's why, to me, Evan Neal, when we, when we talk about Evan Neal being improving, being so important for the offense, this is why. Because it allows you to do so, if he can be good, it allows you to try so much more things on offense that where if, if he ended up being a bust, it just really hampers the offense from progressing and doing things they want to do. Yeah. And they have the personnel to, you know, the personnel on the skill position side is not, is not the, would not be the thing that would hold them back this year. It would be offensive line, Evan Neal, right side of the offensive line. So um, that that's that's the main difference heading into this year. Yeah, and and the so like I, I wrote down, the additions of Waller and Campbell, that allows you to tor- turn short plays into explosives. You know, it doesn't necessarily change the average depth of target, um, but it just turns, it, it become, creates a more explosive offense. Waller, you know, Waller where, should be able to help that a, a little a, a little bit. Well, I'm I mean, just you, talking about versus zone, like like quick little okay. throws versus zone. Waller and Campbell can take those and turn them into big plays where yeah. Daniel Bellinger and Richie James really weren't doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Waller's just a better route runner. And I mean, this even oh, yeah. this even goes back to, you know, all the tight you know, tight ends that we've had in the past, probably since freaking Jeremy Shockey, that Waller's just a better route runner where, you know, what you're expecting Daniel Bellinger to do and, you know, some tight ends in the past is just be this check down like flat guy whereas Waller's not going to be that so I mean there's a very there's a very big difference between throwing the ball 
even if it's five to seven yards down the field and having an average up to target like that in a given game versus negative one to one yard. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference in how it shows up in a stat sheet. So, yeah. So, I mean, and Waller helps in all levels, especially versus man coverage when you're, when you're going to face that. Um, and then for Daniel Jones per sector versus zone, we've talked about it a lot. The whole shots on the sideline when you're running a two man route and You've got a, a defender trying to play two players, and he's playing more towards the flat. You got to pull the trigger and hit those whole shots on the sideline. Those are eighteen to twenty-five yard plays that that have that. Those were I'm telling you, those were the really the only plays that Daniels left on the field. It was probably five to eight whole shots on the sideline. There's like two deep passes, like a double move versus the Seahawks, and maybe one other throw. But those whole shots are where the words like you consistently like, hey man, they just did not pull the trigger on these. Uh, trivia question. Uh, Giants had four passing touchdowns of 20-plus yards this year. Who were the players? When did they come? So not air yards, or, but just passing touchdowns of 20-plus yards? Yes. So Sterling Shepard week one versus the Titans. Yes, one. Um. Darius Slayton versus the Jags. Yes, two. Uh, Darius Slayton versus the Texans. Yes, three. One more. Um, this is one that could get you. I don't think it was. Bell- I don't think the Bellinger versus the Panthers was over 20 yards. Or Bellinger. You're going to kick yourself. Richie Marcus. Kenny Galladay. There you go. Good job. I was like, you're the, gonna kick you're yourself. gonna kick yourself. Uh, gave it to me. Kenny Galladay. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So those are the four. <laughs> those are right there. Uh, those are the four passing touchdowns of of twenty plus yards from this year. So that's week one. That's the Texans game. Which thank God for that touchdown because that's the difference. Of, that's literally the difference between it being twenty four to sixteen or seventeen to sixteen or whatever sixteen sixteen. Um. And then the Jaguars game. So very much centered towards the early part of the season. Can I tell you why? I mean, I'll, I'll, I don't want to talk about this too much more, but. Um, well, I got I mean, I'm still going to talk about it versus man coverage and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Too. Talk about man coverage before I come in with. I don't have that many stats with this because everybody knows, but there's one stat I want to talk about. Versus man coverage is a lot more simple. This is where the additions uh, in the wide receiver and tight end room matter the most. Uh, like it just doesn't take a ton of protection for a guy to uh, for Darren Waller for Slayton for uh, you know Jalen Hyatt depending on how he develops to create a big play versus man coverage and when they're on the field together last year um, last year you only you just had to shade the safety over to Darius Slayton when you played man coverage the Giants weren't an inherently aggressive team you, you for the most part you're you're pulling them away from from taking that uh, shot there. But guess what? Now when you have Jalen Hyde on one side, when you have Darren Waller on a crosser or any other type of route, those guys can win and get separation on man coverage. And now teams are going to have to show you respected. Like the Giants had the fourth highest, uh, Daniel Jones had the fourth highest play action completion percentage last year, but was 33rd in yards per attempt. Not average depth of target, just yards per attempt, which the higher completion percentage, the higher yards of attempt are going to be. Big reason for that is, when they ran that play action, it was basically just cover Darius Slayton. 
cover Darius Slayton and they might be able to get a check down or whatever, but they're not going to like, we never threw the post on those, you know, to Marcus Johnson or any, anybody. Um, you know, so like Hodgins, Hodgins and Isaiah Hodgins are still going to play, but Isaiah Hodgins, Daniel Bellinger and James, they're just not going to create uh, big plays or command respect when teams are playing man coverage. Um, so it's, it's a lot more simple versus man coverage is, Hey, we, you, one, you have to respect this team and you don't have, you, you have to have more than one guy and it comes it'll come down to daniel jones finding the guys that are going to win versus man and pulling the trigger on those throws yeah yeah for sure um uh, the stat that i look at every single year and i <clears throat> I, I i do it for every single season is i look at the records of teams based on where they finish in explosive pass play rate um so i look at the top 10 teams the middle 12 teams and the bottom 10 teams what are their records based on their explosive pass play ranking? And what I, I added a little nuance to it this year. I had a little nuance of I looked at it solely from game neutral situation when the margin of the game is between zero to 14 points. Um, you know, I think garbage time stats, I hate looking at garbage time stats. And especially, you know, being a Giants fan the last couple of years, we've had to really, you know, you gotta look but you gotta look between the weeds of you know looking at garbage time and non-garbage time. So Top 10 teams, or we'll start off with the bottom 10. The bottom 10 teams in explosive pass play rankings uh, this past year finished with a record of 59, 107, and 4, 35.4% win rate. The middle 12 were 97 and 107, 47.55%. The top 10 teams that produce explosive pass plays at the highest rate, 113 and 55. That's a 67.2% winning percentage. Bobby, as the years have gone on, um, I I've I love I love looking at stats. I've looked at a, a shit ton of stats. I have not found a stat that has been more associated with wins and losses, especially over a long term period. Maybe not a single game, but over a season long period than explosive pass plays and explosive plays in general. If you're a team that can stop an explosive play, and if you're a team that can produce an explosive play, you are going to likely be a winning football team. And that is something that this Giants team has just missed every single year, basically since 2015. Yeah, yeah, really. Like it, you look at 2019, and like that play, offense wasn't that explosive, but it feels like the most explosive offense ever. They were ranked 24th in explosive pass play rate, and we look and we remember that year fondly because there were big plays and in some big moments. But then you really pull the curtain back, and it's like this is still bad. But it's yeah. what we had. It's what we have. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like three times what we've seen the last couple of years. Because uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin, before you get to your uh, uh, area for improvement on offense, hit it out of the park this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can place a $5 bet and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can take a shot at bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with code WORLD. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code WORLD only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you think the Heat have a chance to win the NBA Finals? It's tied 1-1 right now. Yes, I think they do. I'm trying to not get too lost on the sauce at Game 2, but... I, I still, I'm still going to just stick with my prediction of Nuggets and Six, but I'm rooting for the Heat. Gambling calling. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.com. 
helpline ma.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, uh, in Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, uh, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varied by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Opt-in and 10 plus leg room for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com, DraftKings.com slash sports uh, slash baseball terms. And speeding. Sure. I'll be honest. Um, I miss when we could just say, "See the show notes." Yeah, yeah. Can we go back to that government? Yeah, government. Um, can we? Can we go back, to Chris? That? We need to talk to Entertainer. He works in the government now. We need to he get does. him on top of that. I should have brought all, that up. All with the him. state secrets. Um, Doug and Alex. Uh, this doesn't always happen like this, but the Chiefs and the Eagles were number one and number two in explosive pass play. Right? Bam. Doesn't always happen like that. And guess what? The Chiefs didn't even have, like, I think Mahomes was like twenty. Six or twenty seventh and twenty plus yard air throw. So it wasn't even like they were just bombing it up. They were just able to create explosive pass plays. Yeah, yak is very very important, um, especially in a league where if they're trending more towards too high safeties and they don't want you to throw it deep, well then you got to have the the horses underneath that can break tackles, and that's why speed is so important. Not only just to stretch the field, but to break tackles and then get the yards after the catch too. That's very get the very horses important. in the bag. You got the horses in the back. Um, I'm going to be talking about getting off to faster starts because Mike Kafka recently talked about getting off to faster starts. So obviously the Giants as a team got off to a faster start, but in the words of Mike Kafka, but as an offense specifically, I think we can get off to a better start there. That was a big time study for us as a group and as a staff. When we went and talked about when we went and talked with the players throughout the offseason program phases here, that's been a huge emphasis. And what he's talking about is getting off to a faster start in the actual game and in an actual football game. The Giants in the first and second quarter, but specifically I'm going to look at the first quarter, they were a bad football team. You know, we It was a joke throughout the year that the Giants were a second-half team. They were very strong in the second half, but we're, what that also comes with is they were a bad first-half team. So these are the Giants' offense first-quarter stats. EPA per play, they were 29th. The total number of plays run, they were tied for 30th. Sacks, they were tied for 31st. Punts, they were tied for 29th. First down rate, 30th, and then total touchdowns, tied for 29th. The Giants had the worst point differential in the league after the first quarter at minus 38. As a result, as a result, uh, I think this is, you know, this thing, they kind of work hand in hand. The offense had a slow start. The defense also had an EPA per play at 29th as well. Um, out of QBs with a minimum of 75 plays in the first quarter, Jones was 26th in EPA per play, 19th in CPOE. So, um, I think a main priority for the Giants this year, a main area improvement, is just getting off to, in general, a faster start, putting more points up on the board, putting more explosive plays up on the board early on. Um, that kind of sets you up for success so you're not constantly playing from behind, playing from behind, and not and operating from an area of kind of weakness. With this, it's like, I, w- I would love to be in that room to see what they are identifying to get to there, right? Because it's not pass run ratio. It's not like they were trying to no. freaking feed feed the you know they were force feeding Saquon. In no. fact, it was the opposite where they actually ran the ball more. They had a they had a higher uh, run to pass ratio um, in quarters two through four compared to the first quarter. Yeah, and we talked about that a ton 
as the Giants were making these multi-score comebacks, like I think of the Ravens game, um, I think of the the Jaguars game, if if I'm remembering correctly, these kind of multi-score comebacks that they had late in games, they were running the ball more than they were passing, which is usually backwards. If you're down the by Titans two, Titans was definitely one of those games. Yeah, if you're yeah, and that's explosive Saquon Barkley plays too, which I'll, I'll take explosive plays no matter how no matter how they come. Right, it's just easier to produce plays of twenty plus yards versus rushing plays of twenty plus yards. But they were doing it backwards. The Giants were operating it backwards. Where if usually if you're down by multiple scores, you're throwing the ball more. The Giants were like a like a balanced like 50-50 football team while they were down in the second half which is which is crazy crazy stuff yeah and when they would like get like that Jags game remember like like they got to the fourth quarter like they got the lead early in the fourth quarter and they just stopped throwing the ball yeah they just start and that was I mean that was the week that Daniel Jones won NFC player of the week and obviously he had Daniel Jones has a part of that rushing I mean he had over 100 yards in that game the Titans one was a game where it's like it was all Saquon um listen ideally like i i love running the ball when you have a lead and especially if you can run it well when you have a lead that's that's how you win in the nfl it's not just throw 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 i think a lot of people because you know i I specifically i talk about you know first down you know early down pass frequency and throwing the ball on first down people just think that i just maybe want to throw the ball 40 times a game no i want to get the lead I want to get a lead early in the game, and I want to be efficient on early downs by throwing the ball and having an average depth of target that's that's balanced, that requires my skill position players to get yards after the catch. And then by the time we get to the second half and we have that 7-10 point lead, dare I say maybe a little bit more, 4, four point lead, that's one score, right? I want to run the ball, and that's where I want my offensive alignment to start leaning on dudes. And when you get fatigued, when you get tired, I believe in all that stuff. So I want this Giants team to be more balanced this year. And I think the strengths of this team can still be running the ball, except let's use the first three quarters, maybe specifically the first half, on getting that lead. And then we're playing from, we're operating from a position of strength. So that's where I'm like, what are they identifying as that way to start faster? And I hate to tie it back into my thing, but. I do think it is critics explosive. Like Gary yes. Slayton was talking to the media, and he's like, "Hey, like, yeah, there's there's definitely a more emphasis on creating big plays uh, in this, right? Like, and I think that's where hey, the additions of Darren Waller, um, it, it kind of tied, you know, Darren Waller, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, that's where they come yeah. in. Evan Neal improving where you're not giving up the most sacks in the first quarter in the right. NFL, like that's that's huge. So. Um, I, yeah. I have a new I have a new phrase. Start fast, finish slow. I want to start fast. I want to throw the ball. I want to produce explosive plays. I want to score points, and I want to finish slow by taking knees to end the game. That's what I want. Bam! I like it. I like it. Uh, defensively. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Do you want to read an ad? Oh, how sure. many do we have? Um, what do I have? How many ads do we have? We have three. Then let's do an ad. Okay, let's do an ad. All right, before we go to defensive, my offensive one was short. I got it. I got mine short, sweet, and to the point. You want to know what also is sweet? Hello, fresh. It's freshness. And it says hello when it comes to your door. That's right, because somebody actually delivers it. They say, hello, how are you? And I say, I'm good, because I have HelloFresh now. This summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. Reach your goals with delicious, calorie-smart, and protein-smart lunch and dinner options. Plus, 
New vegan recipes too. Whoa, hello. Hello Fresh, get it? Hello Fresh's seasonal ingredients are picked at peak ripeness and travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days for fresh flavor in every bite. Now I gotta admit, box is heavy because I'll tell you what, it's like insulated. So all the ingredients stay fresh in it, and there's so much stuff in it that it can get you through literally your entire week. You don't got to worry. HelloFresh delivers mouth-watering chef-crafted recipes and fresh ingredients to your door so you can spend less time meal planning and prepping. With 40 recipes and over 100 seasonal and convenience items to choose from each week, you'll always find meals everyone will enjoy at the table. Go to HelloFresh.com world sixteen. That's right. And use code WORLD16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash WORLD16. And start using America's number one meal kit today. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. All right, defensively, I wanted to go back and watch this. And I watched a few games of film um, when the Giants got gassed by this. And it is stopping the run versus gap scheme, mm. which is guys pulling... You know, cha- changing changing gaps. When you hear gap scheme, it basically means just like guys pulling, right? Where zone is just, hey, you're all stepping in one unison. You have split zone, which I think split zone has some similarities to gap, but it still is zone. So I actually went and looked at teams. I went and looked at teams on how much do they run gap for zone. On teams that ran over 50% gap than zone, which is... Not very many teams. Only six Only six games they played this year like that. Teams average 160 rushing yards per game, 5.60 yards per carry. On teams that ran over 40% gap, which is a high amount, there's eight games. 167 yards per game, so seven yards more, 5.6 yards per carry, so the same amount of yards per carry. But I put the disclaimer in there because three of those games were against what team, Justin? The Eagles. And when the Eagles played the Giants, they became a gap running team. Like they basically only ran gap runs. Was because the Lions they, the other one? Uh, the there's five other games like that. Ah. In that. But the I, th- I think the Lions uh, were the Lions were in one of these categories. I think they might have been over fifty percent actually, or over anyways. But the uh, the Lions so or the Eagles were three of those games. So the Eagles because they ran so much gap. They ran 200, had 218 yards per game, 6 yards per carry. The other 5 games, 136 yards per game, 4.9 yards per carry. And then teams that had less than 40% amount of gap runs for their season. 101 yards per game, so that's a difference of 59 yards and 4.2 yards per carry. So, I mean, a huge, huge difference. And Justin, I went to identify why it was this bad. We actually talked about it with Snyder. And I was like, let me go back and rewatch this stuff and identify all the reasons and what was the main reason. It started with linebacker play, right? It wasn't only linebacker play, but it started with linebacker play and Jalen Smith in particular. Like being reminded how bad this guy was at linebacker for the New York Giants. One, Jalen Smith just never sniffed out a play versus these gaps, you know? It's one thing to have a guy who's not the best, but he can at least sniff out a play here or there and make some plays, which will tie into what yours. Jalen Smith never did that versus gap-type runs. Never sniffed a play. Always late. So, he was slate reading, which means he would stay at depth, which would mean he would get washed up in blocks. Uh, he could never, when he was late, recover and scrape over the top. Never. Uh, and then whenever he did read something halfway decent, never read anything great, but just read it all uh, correctly. He wasn't able to shed those blocks and 
Honestly, most times, block. not only did he get not able to shed the blocks, the blocks would dominate him. So, Jalen Smith in particular. But all linebackers were thrown off by this the most. Misdirection, which comes with uh, these gap schemes. Which is those counter runs, right? Which the Eagles ran to death on the Giants, those counter runs. Also using a fullback in misdirection. The Lions got a, a big chunk play to start the game doing that. So, the misdirection threw them off. Also... Scheme-wise, when they were facing that split zone, which is not gap, but still there's a little bit of difference in there, there was kind of some funky backside linebacker run fits that uh, they uh, did. Also, the linebackers didn't have a lot of trust because the edge gap integrity wasn't always great. Um, You know, from... This is where it needs to improve, man. Bobby Okereke, one, maybe better shedding blocks, play quicker. It, It looked like our linebackers did not study film. It really looked like they did not study film and look at running back tendencies and what the other team tried to run because they were always playing from behind in this. Like So when they were playing light boxes, running backs would destroy them. They'd be like, all right, I'll just cut here, get him jumping in this gap, and then cut off. You know, cut, cut off of that. So you really got to be a freaking film nerd and know what the other team is doing, the way that Blake Martinez did for the Giants in 2020. You got to know what these line, these running backs' tendencies are and obviously what they're running. So I'm not saying the last team didn't watch film, but they didn't put them ahead of the place, you know. Like where Ray Lewis, yeah, was Ray Lewis just a great freaking athlete and stuff, but Ray Lewis knew what the other team was going to run. That was what why he was so great. So we need Okereke and group to be those guys. Like the running backs just flat out played them too often. Other things that led them to being weak in this. The third defense alignment almost always got washed out of place. Especially when Nick Williams went down with the injury. And here's where I'm going to challenge. Like, hey, not just, hey, we got better players. Kayvon Thibodeau. I need you to become a better edge setter. Like one, they were just bad edge setting. Uh, which, when you're playing that gap teams, what is the best way to stop a gap run team? Because it is it is hard on the linebackers. The best way is to set a damn good edge. Because guess what? Wherever that guard on the backside is pulling to, there's nowhere for them to go into because that edge just got squeezed down and there's nowhere for that big old man to run through. Right? And to me, it was Kayvon was inconsistent with this. They were time, and whenever Kayvon did set a really good edge, it would be a run stop versus these gap runs. It was like the only times they had run stops versus these gap runs were when Dex would just make a totally outstanding play, or when Kayvon would set a really good edge on the front side. So Kayvon has to really get better at being a more consistent edge setter, squeezing those gaps down, because that's going to make their life a whole lot easier for these linebackers, for the Bobby Okereke, because Bobby Okereke is not. He's not the best linebacker in the NFL who's going to make everyone else look a ton be- uh, look a ton better. He's a good linebacker, not a great one. Um, and Jihad Ward, like we, he is, Jihad Ward's a good edge setter, but Jihad Ward has speed issues. So whenever teams would bounce, well, they were able to beat him to the perimeter. They weren't able to beat Kayvon Thibodeau to the perimeter. They were able to beat him to the perimeter, bounce those plays, and create big plays. Um, and then Aziz Ojalar, I don't know if, if he can become a great edge setter. I think he, his ceiling is kind of what Kayvon was last year's net. So Kayvon Thibodeau, that, that is a, a challenge I have for this, for him. You know, like obviously we want to see more pass rush production, but I want to see him become a more dominant edge setter on a down in, down out basis. Cause you see flashes of it. You really do see flashes of it being really good, but you just don't see the consistency enough of it. Um, where, yeah. Getting rid of Jalen Smith and adding Okereke was vital. It's going to make a huge difference. But 
to where they can become a, maybe even a, a good run defense. There, I say it. Kayvon Thibodeau is a huge part of that. Um, yeah, I mean, Wink Martindale, you know, said that he wanted Kayvon Thibodeau to add more strength and add a little, maybe a little bit more weight, kind of like in his lower half and his core. And I think that's kind of like where it starts, right? And maybe absolutely. not absolutely, absolutely, it generates from the legs. Yeah, maybe not even necessarily being like oh, like a bull rusher, you know, with pass pro, but also setting an edge. We know Aziz Ojolari is continuing to to bulk up, and he keeps on bulking up. Like, dude, I know the pre-draft eval was that you're a little light, but take it easy. We, <laughs> we gotta we gotta get you on the field, and who knows if that's tied to you know him being healthy, healthy or what. But uh, so two one observation, then one question for you, but two, but both kind of based in stats. Um, one. Uh, it's, you know, all these things you're saying, I think uh, what it ends up being in a, in a stats and a stats way and a, how it manifests itself in stats is the giants on first and second down EPA per play on defense were the worst defense in the national football league. They were, they were the worst by far. And I think it manifests itself is that they just could not stop the run. Um, and there were so often throughout, especially this was early, throughout the early portion of the year, Bobby. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm like, look at how many third and shorts offenses are getting because they're able to run the ball. They're able to run the ball on, on running downs, first and second down. Look at all these third and shorts. But the Giants were the third best defense in the National Football League on third down. Their ability to, you know, wink Martindale to scheme something up on third down, the ability to maybe generate some pressure, maybe deflect a pass and the secondary kind of holding up, that was there. And the Giants got off the field when they needed to get off the field. But how teams were able to sustain drives is by not being able to stop the run and struggling with all the things that you talked about. So this defense will take a huge leap if they are not the worst first and second down defense in the National Football League this year for sure. But that kind of transitions into my overall theme, which do you have anything else? Um, No, it's just, I mean, it's it's... That is an area where Wink said, hey, we need to improve, right? Yeah. Like in that interview a couple weeks ago. Because like, that that's not even necessarily something schematic that you're talking about. That That's kind of like Jimmy's and Joe's and can we have edge rushers that can set an edge and can we have linebackers that at least can attempt to sniff something out? I'm not having think so many anything. damn DBs on the field all the time too matters with it too. Yeah, but I mean, in a pet, are you really going to? hold wink is i don't think that's a wink thing though that's the no scheme. but i'm saying now that we have some linebackers like right bobby okereke should never step off the field yeah. never you could see more five uh, research rick i think recently tweeted about this you still could see more five defense alignment sets this year now that they actually have the the more defensive linemen on the team so i mean that's what wink wants to do but yeah. once nick williams down it's just they didn't have right those three interior defensive linemen and then obviously we're we're considering the edge players as down linemen right like those five like wink likes to operate out of five man fronts but he just didn't have again that's why i said like the third defensive lineman was always a disadvantage especially so when uh when Nick Williams went down, you know, and that's why, like, hey, they were good stopping zone run teams because they had Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, and the reads are a lot more defined for the linebackers and everyone else. Um, it's just their linebacker play was so bad, and their edge, uh, their edge defenders weren't good. Like Kavon was, uh, Kavon was solid. He was inconsistent. Aziz was not a great edge setter, but he didn't play much. O'Shane was a bad edge setter. And Jahad Warts, that's a good edge, but he doesn't have the athleticism to make plays. Oh, here's my second thing, and this is a question. 
Did you find that there was ever a left versus right side trend that you picked up on, one being better than the other, or or no? Um, no, not to say that it's not there, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. Football outsiders. Uh, this is something that I like to look at. I like to look at a uh, directional defensive line stats. Football outsiders has the Giants' run defense going towards the left side, being one of the worst in the league. And then when going to the right side, it's like average. Up the middle and guard, it was uh, their their average line ranking was twenty was thirty first, so it was bad. Um, but going towards the right side, it was average. So um, I wonder, you know, if there if there's anything there, if there's it could be a Jihad Ward stat, Jihad Ward, a, a linebacker that maybe I noticed shades the teams didn't side. run towards Jihad Ward too often either. Like yeah. It was kind of like, let's let's go after the Kayvon Aziz, uh, O'Shane side. We actually can check that. PFF lists specifically what side of the line each player lines up on. So maybe we'll circle back with that at some point. Um, my second area of improvement. Become more disruptive. Um, you know, no shit Sherlock, but last year's defense was not necessarily the defense that we signed up for with Wink Martindale. Yes, they blitzed a ton. Felt like they could have blitzed more, which Wink Martindale is a psychopath. Um, Even though they led the league in blitz rate, still felt like they left a ton on the table because of, you know, certain injuries that they had, certain deficiencies that the defense had, you know, especially when the secondary players start going down, you got to help the secondary guys out a little bit more. Um, I want this defense to become more disruptive. Um, And on kind of a related but maybe unrelated note, Maybe not shoot themselves in the foot so often. I didn't remember this being a problem, like, just with my eye test. Did you know that the Giants' defense, they were second in the league in defensive penalties, and they allowed the third most first downs allowed via a penalty? Did not know that, but I that would be a, either. that would be a stat that would be nice to improve on, you know, this upcoming year. Don't give an opposing offense's first downs based off of penalties. Um, the Giants, though. Uh, in terms of becoming more disruptive, they were 22nd in adjusted sack rate via football outsiders, which looks at like sack rates, not just raw sack numbers. And also there's a, you know, sacks on a third and five mean a lot more than like a third and 15. So it's able to measure that they were 22nd in adjusted sack rate. They were 13th in sacks overall, sixth in pressure rate and eighth in QB hits. So that's good. That's good. Now I thought I had a theory that, oh, the fact that we were 13th in sacks, 22nd in adjusted sack rate, but we were 6th in pressures and 8th in QB hits, which is good. I thought that, oh, maybe teams are are getting rid of the ball quicker. Or maybe quarterbacks are scrambling extra long because they're avoiding pressure. I didn't find, uh, when looking at the time to throw stats from each individual quarterback, I didn't find there to be like a significant trend. But that is something that's there. But I still want more sacks this year overall from this Wink Martindale defense. And that involves... Aziz Ojolari, being healthy. Kayvon Thibodeau, taking that step up. Leonard Williams, get healthy. Get more sacks, man. You're being paid like a top interior defensive lineman. Dex, continue to to do the things that you're doing. Continuing to be more disruptive. 22nd in tackles for loss. Not good. Not great. 26th in turnovers per drive. Force. 26th in turnovers per drive. Force. 31st in interception rate. I think all these things, all these things, the penalties getting more pressure on the quarterback, sacking the quarterback more, causing more negative plays, including turnovers. 
it will help a defense that had that was 19th in points per drive last year and 25th in yards per drive. They were very good on third down and they were very very good in the red zone. So kind of like you know remember the areas that Patrick Graham's defense was best in, um, you know especially in the red zone and locking down in the red zone. This Wink Martindale defense was a little bit last year bending but not breaking. Um, didn't allow a lot of touchdowns but still 19th in points per drive. Becoming more disruptive and getting back to the core of what Wink Martindale wants to do, along with seeing a step in it in Kayvon Thibodeau, along with seeing a healthy Aziz Ojolari, that will make this defense more disruptive, and that will, I think it won't just make this defense above average, I think it could make it a top 10 unit. Yeah, so with the interception portion of it, because it's like, how do, how do you it's get... It's going to get better. It has to. But I'm trying to think of like the path of getting better besides the fact that it's like you can't have a year like that right, again. Right. Um, is because I mean, you, you get Banks, who's not like an interception guy. Like, yeah, I think he had one, uh, he had two because he had one instruction year, but two, so two career interceptions in his career. Um, I just said two career interceptions in his career. Adora Jackson, not an interception guy, which doesn't mean bad corner, it just means they don't get interceptions. A second safety after McKinney, who was like, we don't even know who's going to be rolling out there. Um, I think the answer to it is getting teams in third and long, which we, you know, we talked about with the first and second yeah, we, down we issues, just, we, which we didn't do. Which is like that's that's when mistakes happen is on on third, not even third and long, just third and seven, third and eight. Those are when you're yeah. going to get those mistakes uh, to happen. And you know, when you're not a team that's, you know, when you can't run the ball well on a team, that's when you're going to start maybe forcing things a little bit when you can just like, you know, especially the, when the Eagles played us, it was like, man, this is so easy for them. It's like, they just run the ball, take what you give them the passing. Game, and they just didn't face third they, down. That was the, yeah. also the issue. They just never, they never faced third down. They avoided it. And that's what the, that's what the best teams do. And when you get it, you know, I think Wink Martindale, when you get him into that third and five, third and six, third and seven plus situation, that's where he starts licking his chops, being like, even if I'm only going to bring four or five here, I'm going to show like I'm bringing seven, or I'm going to show like I'm bringing eight, and I'm going to, you know, all these guys, disguise everything, have guys running around pre-snap. That's when he starts licking his chops, you know, kind of like we saw, um, you know, the the game-winning play that we had against Aaron Rodgers um, in Green Bay, where McKinney had that pass deflection. So um, that's where I feel like Wink Martindale is at his best when, when his defense can get to those kind of like third and long situations. Last year, Julian Love and Dane Belton led the Giants in interceptions with two. Julian Be- Julian Love gone. Belton, we don't know if he's going to start. Who leads the New York Giants in interceptions in 2023? Um, I, I think Dane Belton can. So Belton would be your answer? Belton would be my answer. Belton would make sense because he has versatility. You can put him in some man covers. I'm going to throw this out there. I know this guy didn't get a ton in college. What about Cordell Flott? Yeah, the the story of Cordell Flott continues playing the slot, but he has outside versatility. Yeah, it it continues to evolve since you know Ryan Dunley and I. I I kind of feel bad for Ryan because he came on the show and he said, "Yeah, he's likely to play the outside." Somebody in the Giants building, there's some people in the Giants building that believe he plays on the outside, and now he's they're kind of you know experimenting him out there in in the slot. So. he almost yeah, had that interception not? versus the Vikings in the regular season game. Had a really nice play towards the end of the game. Like, I just see him having maybe the best ability to get his hands on the yeah. ball consistently. And again, Adore is not an interception guy. 
Banks. I don't see that happening for him this year. Yeah. And it's like, I would like it for it to be McKinney. Like, if, like the goal is for it to be McKinney, but he coming off of a year where he had zero. In my brain, um, like I think when I think of like contested catches in 2022 on the Giants' defense, I think of Darnay Holmes allowing contested catches and just being like, "Damn, like you're you're there, man, but you're just not big and you're not good in man coverage." I think a bigger slot corner, a la a Cordell Flott, if he is going to play in that role. If we're having those contested catch, you know, contested catch opportunities where Cordell Flock can make a play on a football, that's where I can possibly see him coming down with some interceptions. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Where it's like, they have a flaw in the slot. We shouldn't be, hopefully, we're not getting picked on there where we were last year. Um, you know, and he's long, rangy. Like, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to be different, but I, that would be my guess. McKinney is the one that should lead it, but I'm, I'm just I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the guy. Do we have anything else that we need to talk about? We gotta talk about BetterHelp. Ah, BetterHelp. Better talk about BetterHelp. You better get your help because this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's help that's better than the other helps out there, which that's better. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. Bobby Skinner, I need a monkey, a million dollars, and a ride on a rocket ship. I need a better run defense. But Bobby, you're worried about a better run defense. I need you to take a moment to think about what you need for yourself. When we spend all of our time giving, when we spend all of our time getting anxious and watching this Giants run defense, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. And therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option, and it's a better option than the other helps out there, like I said. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Giants. Today to get 10% off your first month. That's better com slash talking giants. You'll be glad you did. I need to know what we're gonna what we're gonna do for Friday's pod. What are we gonna do for Friday's pod? Areas of improvement. Um I have been waiting since 2020 to Uh, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Because we are due. We're due, to, but don't say it. To go back to the Biggest Fears episode with Danny King, which oh, you I said... Oh, I thought you were going to say someone gets arrested. No, no, which you said the Biggest Fears episode was the worst Talking Giants episode in, in Talking Giants history, which I disagree with. Danny King and I did a great job. Danny King, one of Danny King's worst fears of that season was Aldrich Rosas would uh, not be a good field goal kicker. Lo and behold, he got arrested. So Danny King was right. His One of his worst fears was uh, was acknowledged. Um, but yeah, you know what? We are due for somebody to get arrested. We not only did we have two arrests in 2020 offseason, two like insane story arrests. Like the they DeAndre Baker overshadowed the Aldrich Rosas one, where it's like, wait, he was 100 miles per hour, bloodied up, barefoot, and they didn't give him a DUI. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um. So. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Who would it be? Who would it be to get arrested? Last time we did this, someone tweeted at the player like, "You guys are right. This guy no, could get see, arrested." No, see, see, this is the, I, even I, though I'm it not, was playful. Like, we playfully that. said it would be Darius Slayton because Slayton would just 
he wouldn't get arrested for like being a bad doing something really bad. He's just I, he likes fast cars, so he just be like he did he did a hundred and a fifty five, and they decided to bring, uh, cuff him for that. Um, now Darius Slayton would get arrested for like being too kind. Yes, that's what like oh uh, you can't you can't be here helping this person. You're get out of here. And then most they take likely away. to be arrested. Nope, I don't want to. I I I, I don't want to do it because every answer is bad. Every answer is a bad answer. I know it's it's you know uh, t- smart, tough, dependable. That's that's Daniel Jones. You see that picture of him holding the gun? It's true. Yeah, he he was with an extended mag too. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's an episode. We will see you guys on Friday. You'll hey on Friday you'll know what we're going to talk about, and it's going to be good. I'm trying to hold off mailbag because we only do one mailbag a month in the off season. It is a new month. It is a new month, so we could be a mailbag, but I'm trying to hold off on the mailbag. Um, it's nice to save that. And then by end of the month, guess what? We have 2024 draft preview. Wow, with the grump. Yeah, so excited. Excited for that. All right, we'll see you guys Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>